You're listening to the Conversations with Kids Peace podcast. Advice, information, and inspiration from experts at the leading provider of mental and behavioral health services for children, adults, and those who love them. Now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to our podcast series, Conversations with Kids Peace. I'm Bob Martin. If you're a fan of classic rock music, or if you're my age and you call classic rock, well, rock, you probably remember Jefferson Airplane's famous hit, White Rabbit, with the haunting lines, one pill makes you larger, and one pill makes you small, and the ones that mother gives you don't do anything at all. That psychedelic homage to Lewis Carroll also serves as an opening to talk about an issue that poses significant challenges to treatment of young people for mental and behavioral concerns, polypharmacy or the use of multiple medications by a single patient. To walk us through this issue, we're lucky to have Dr. Ashley Anderson, Medical Director of Residential and Community Programs here at Kidspeace. Dr. Anderson, welcome. Thank you, Bob. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to have you. Polypharmacy as a word sounds to me, as a layman, kind of jargony. What does it mean in terms of Kidspeace's definition of this issue? Kidspeace's specific definition of polypharmacy is greater than three medications for psychotropic, so greater than three psychotropic medications. So obviously polypharmacy by definition just means multiple medications, but our definition here at Kidspeace is greater than three psychotropic medications. Now, how is it that children end up being prescribed multiple psychotropic medications? Well, for, you know, multiple reasons. Um, Sometimes they come in from different facilities and different prescribers. In my particular situation, I am in the residential treatment facility. So these children come in for more of a long-term stay. So um, these kids have difficult backgrounds and sometimes multiple presenting problems. So people of course, try to treat the multiple problems um, by maybe prescribing multiple medications that don't necessarily need to be prescribed maybe all at once. So oftentimes, um, if, if kids may have to see different providers for a multitude of reasons, um, and if, if they don't have if, if there is not continuity of care, there might be just a lapse in them getting their medications or, um, you know, different people have different prescribing patterns. So perhaps for that reason, they could end up on multiple medications. Now, I understand that there are gaps in the research about effectiveness and possible downsides um, in regards to kids that are, uh, that are involved in polypharmacy. What, what, what in your mind is missing from this research? First of all, a lot of people, to, to get a clinical trial approved is a very, very lengthy process. So oftentimes, just you're looking at just one medication for approval. So, and parents, so there is research about many, many things. So, and specifically for um, uh, research for medications, people are not Uh, you know, parents are often weary about enrolling their child in a clinical trial because 
you don't know the outcome. You know, you can predict an outcome, you can make a hypothesis, but you don't know the outcome. And so for children whose brains are still developing, parents are oftentimes weary about enrolling their child in a specific clinical trial. Now we know that clinical trials are very effective in a lot of great things. A lot of great research has come out of them, but oftentimes, like I said, parents may not be willing to enroll their children in a clinical trial. Also, when enrolling in a clinical trial and learning about and, and testing out and experimenting different medications, it's not you want to know exactly what the one medication that you're doing that you're trialing is doing rather than adding multiple medications because you won't know what's doing what, whether it's bad, whether it's good. You just wanna um, you just wanna be you just wanna simplify. So there's almost a, 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 an issue of one that. Um these these drugs are, by the definition of the clinical trial, being looked at sort of in isolation because that's how we know what they're doing. And then secondly, as you noted, kids' brains are different, kids' bodies are different, and I, I think there's a lot of evidence that shows that some of these clinical trials are not necessarily taking into account things like dosage for kids versus dosage for uh, adults. And that's why the trials are so stringent, because they go through, there are exclusion, inclusion criteria, exclusion criteria, and it's a very, very stringent process for a clinical trial. And to your point, um, when you are trying, to, when you are testing out medications, you are doing it for a very specific reason and for an indication, for an FDA indication for X, Y, Z, you name it, whether it be depression, anxiety, aggression for a very specific condition. So yet another reason why you wouldn't want to try multiple medications, you just want to try one. And yes, kids are not one of the most important things that I learned in my fellowship training is that kids are not small adults. Their bodies are different. Their brains are different. So you can't, you have to be very, very careful about the dosing. And one thing that sometimes is, is difficult to get parents, providers to sort of wrap their heads around is that, and I find myself repeating this a lot in my clinical practice, is that kids often may require a higher dose of medication because their livers are young and healthy and they have, you know, not done the things to their livers that maybe adults <laughs> might do, you know. So they, they metabolize medications very, very, very quickly. So oftentimes they they do require more frequent dosing of medications and possibly higher doses for that reason. So it's not just a, well, cut it in half and the, the, kid, the kid weighs half as much as the adult, cut it in half and you'll be fine. Absolutely not. Now, okay, so we've got kids that uh, come into our residential programs who um, are coming in there sort of with a polypharmacy background. What are some of the ways that uh, Kids Peace is um, dealing with that? How are they addressing those issues among the kids that are coming into our programs? Well, we have made it a very stringent multi-step process here in order for the polypharmacy to be approved. First of all, when the children come in, we will, uh, during admission, the nurses will take a look at their medication regimen. Again, if they are on three or more, or if they are on more than three psychotropic medications, then they will call me. So it has to have um, medical director approval. They will call me. They will review the medications. If I feel that it's appropriate to continue the medications, what I will do is approve a 14-day 
review. And then if I am not the attending psychiatrist, if there is another psychiatrist, they will also review the medications and deem after the 14-day review period, because kids need time. They certainly need time to adjust to this situation. It's a brand new situation for them. They are out of their home, you know, depending on what environment they came from. Um, you know, it's it's oftentimes a, a difficult and stressful situation for them. So we certainly want to minimize the stress as much as possible. Um, so after the 14-day review, we will see how they're doing. And then the process, we will deem whether to continue the polypharmacy if it's beneficial for the kids or um, decrease or discontinue the medications. Now, if someone is an existing client here and they were on three medications and the provider feels that they would benefit for whatever reason for from an additional medication, they will write for that medication. Nursing will then call me review the medications as in the process of a new admission. Um, and then I will either approve or disapprove the polypharmacy request. So, so it is- a, a lot of eyes, a lot of, a lot of you know, sort of brain power being brought to this to that particular situation. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's important to continue the conversation with the provider. You know, I don't, I oftentimes question the medication regimens, not because I think that they are wrong or anything like that. I just because I want to have a conversation, especially if it's not my particular patient, um, I, you know, and the other physician is taking care of them. I just want to see what is your rationale? What are you thinking? What have they been on before? Could we maximize another medication that they perhaps are currently on? So it is a pretty, um, you know, it's 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 a pretty stringent process, but I think most certainly necessary and worth it. And I think this is a good place to, to put in a, a, a very, very important disclaimer. Parents, uh, you know, guardians, the kids themselves, they should never take it upon themselves to stop taking a prescribed medicine, Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You should always contact the provider who is prescribing the medications, especially if children are on multiple medications because all medications have or ha can have the potential for side effects. And some of those side effects are what we call withdrawal side effects. So if you abruptly stop a medication, you will likely not feel great. Um, and right, that's, right. We certainly don't want that, especially, and, and, and oftentimes it is dose dependent. So if you are on a higher dose of medications and you abruptly stop it, you are likely to get um, pretty significant withdrawal side effects. So it is extremely, extremely important to speak with your provider before starting or stopping any medications. Well, and, and certainly, you know, what you outlined there in terms of our process of how we're looking at all this at different levels and everything indicates, and, and you know, we are, you know, medical professionals doing it. Don't take it upon yourself to do it yourself just because you think, oh, I heard something on a podcast, I should stop taking this. It's like, no, 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 don't do that. Well, absolutely. And I think everything is so readily available now with the internet. And so I think we are often quick to get um, medical advice from the internet at times. And people are quick to Google things and may sort of look for advice in that way. But we are trained professionals and we have spent many, many, many years in school gaining our expertise. So always consult with the provider. Shifting gears here, um, there are, can you just give us a couple of examples? I know there are many, many, and we could, we could be here for hours talking about it, but what are some 
um, a couple of examples of non-medication type of approaches or uh, uh, interventions? Oh, certainly. Um, and I, I find myself saying this a lot of time in my, my clinical practice is behavioral techniques. Certainly, um, you know, you can, depending on what the condition is, um, specifically for anxiety disorder, cognitive behavioral therapy has been found to be extremely effective in treating anxiety disorders, sometimes uh, as a standalone, sometimes in conjunction with medication. But if we're talking about non-medication interventions, kids with ADHD, they often have difficulty staying on task, paying attention, sitting in their seats, things like that. In the school environment, ask for extra support, ask for a one-on-one, -on -one, because oftentimes I see this, kids respond so well to one-on-one -on -one support, getting extra time for test taking, um, things like that. So there are many, many non-medication um, alternatives to treating various disorders. That's, that, that's good to hear. I mean, uh, and I know that there may be some parents listening, parents out there who are um, concerned about this, have maybe have been concerned for a while. As we talk about things that they can do, it seems to me that a lot of what we're able to tell them is it comes really down to uh, lots of communication with your provider. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? We are always, our job is to work as a team, especially in psychiatry, I think, and, and particularly child and adolescent psychiatry, because kids are in a lot of settings, they are at school, they are at home, and um, they spend a fair amount of time in school. So oftentimes, the people who see them in school know, know exactly, you know, they have a great idea of what is going on with them. So it's really important to communicate with all people involved in their life, because it is, we have to get the whole picture. We have to get the whole picture of what's going on with the child, so we can best serve them and their families. Outstanding. Uh, our final question, and we do this every time, is uh, we ask our guests for a life hack. Now, this could be a piece of advice, a tip on how to do something well, maybe just a little inspiration to sort of get through the day a little bit better. Um, you know, an example someone gave me just uh, in the last week, which uh, is, is a little snarky, but uh, we were talking about a time when there was, uh, uh, we were having some issues with a coworker, not at the current job, and um I, this gentleman was talking about this with his wife, and, and his wife said, well, just remember, when you're having a problem with someone who's difficult, remember that at the end of the day, you get to go home and be you. They have to go home and be them. <laughs> I thought, That's, it's good to I keep like it at that. that. So let me turn it back to you. What, what, what's a good life hack from your perspective? I was thinking about this for a while, Bob, and it took me a while to come up with it, but I think... I'm going to go with value what's important and work as hard as possible to achieve it. There you go. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's important. I've worked really hard to, to get to this point in my life and, um, you know, negotiating a lot of things. So I think it is important to value. Value what is important. You're on a long journey and you figure out along the way what is important to you and you work hard for those things that are important to you. That's fantastic. Excellent advice. Dr. Ashley Anderson is Medical Director of Kids Pieces Residential and Community Programs. Dr. Anderson, it is always a pleasure, and you are always welcome to come back. 
Always a pleasure to be here, Bob. Right. Thank you so much. I do want to mention that if you're if folks are interested in more information about polypharmacy, in the spring-summer edition, uh, 2016 edition of Kids Pieces Healing Magazine, there is an article that details, uh, goes into a little bit more detail than we're able to do today about uh, about the issue and, and about how we're handling it here at Kids Piece, plus some tips on parents on how to talk to their children's medical provider about the issues of medication. And you can view that at our website for Healing Magazine, which is www.healingmagazine.org. Thank you for joining us for our discussion today. We hope to have you join us again for more conversations with Kids Peace. Take care. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions about our Conversations podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Go to www.kidspeace.org to learn more about the series and share your thoughts.